If there is one issue that triumphantly pits Western Canada against Eastern Canada, it's equalization. This year, five out of the 10 provinces will receive $20 billion worth of equalization. Quebec will be receiving the lion's share as it has since its inception, but Quebec has also posted a budgetary surplus for 2015, 16, 17, 18, and 19. And who's to say that 2020 would have been any different? On the other hand, Alberta has just surpassed $100 billion worth of provincial government debt. And the last time it received equalization was back in 1965. Equalization has served as fodder for conservative politicians to rile up the base. Every time the word is uttered, you can almost hear the seams of federation coming apart. Well, is it true? Has Western Canada been taken for a ride? Are Atlantic provinces in Quebec, you know, fleecing the rest of Canada in plain daylight? Well, in this video, I want to dive into it. Let's talk about what equalization really is, its misconceptions, its advantages, and what, what can be done to improve it. I'm Sam, and this is Chicks and Balances. The federal government redistributes wealth from richer provinces to less fortunate provinces in order to equalize social well-being. This is what equalization is. The policy came to fruition under uh, Prime Minister Louis Saint Laurent in 1957 and actually became enshrined in our constitution in 1982. Article 36 of the constitution tells us that equalization is a means of providing essential public services of reasonable quality to all Canadians. Think of free education and universal clean drinking water. This is but one of three major federal transfers to the provinces. Others include Canada health transfers and Canada social transfers. Since the intended purpose of this program is to ensure that all Canadians have comparable levels of public services at their disposal, the program is calculated on a per capita basis. But calculating the fiscal capacity of each province is really the backbone of this pro program. The formula is largely based on the revenue a province could receive via various tax streams, so whether that be business, income, or property tax. But what makes the calculation sort of controversial is that it includes natural resource revenue, which makes it so that oil-rich provinces are typically have provinces with high fiscal capacities. Next, the federal government has to go about determining which province will receive equalization and by how much. This is where the fiscal capacity cap comes into play. The fiscal capacity cap determines how much each Canadian will receive in public support. Each province below the average is entitled to an equalization payment equal to the difference between its fiscal capacity and the average capacity of the 10 provinces. If the province has an above average fiscal capacity, it is not entitled to any amount. A ceiling is set because a have-not province could not and must not surpass the average fiscal capacity just because they received equalization. The political rhetoric around this issue does us a great disservice. It frankly obscures the very legitimate problems associated with this transfer program by always, you know, becoming a caricature of the very hardworking Albertan versus the very lazy Quebecer. And when you constantly misconstrue a problem, I don't know how you expect to get a very real solution. It's like, your chain-smoking, alcoholic girlfriend complaining that, you know, she won't eat gluten because it's too unhealthy. And this is why, despite decades of outrage, nothing has been done. The main misconception around equalization is that it's a interprovincial transfer of sorts. 
you know, the West sends money to Quebec. But this isn't how it works. You know, Saskatchewan, BC, Alberta, no single province pays for the program. High income individuals do through their federal income taxes. Actually, high income individuals pay for everything in this country. Yes, wages are higher in Western Canada, so they pay more in federal income taxes per capita than Eastern Canada. Um, but equalization simply redistributes funds from high earners to provinces, not from province to province. Proponents of the program call it the glue that keeps Canada together. And I was sitting here thinking that it was actually our common love of throat singing. As Atlantic Canada continues to experience an aging population and a labor shortage, equalization serves as a pick-me-up for all the additional healthcare costs that comes with their changing demographics. And it would be unlikely that they would be able to service their population otherwise. Equalization is also meant to protect the freedom of circulation within Canada. As I'm sure you all know, mobility rights are also enshrined in our constitution. And so equalization kind of serves as a lubricator uh, by, alleviating, by alleviating concerns that, uh, say, if I were to move out of the province, my quality of services would diminish. Because it's every little girl's dream to move to Moose Jaw. I know it's so cliche. Lastly, the program keeps provincial taxes lower than they would otherwise have to be, where the province is forced to bear the costs of their programs, which would only exacerbate inequality of services between the provinces. Quebecers, for example, are the highest taxed individuals in North America, even with a federal top-off. The taxes are so high here that they've begun to accept kidneys as a form of payment, but only if they're 80% French. One of the program's main flaws is that there are no conditions attached to it. Recipient provinces receive $20 billion, no strings attached, no oversight, no assessment of whether the program is actually, you know, serving its intended purpose. Provinces could be, you know, mismanaging the money in a number of ways and there'd be no way of knowing. And again, this is a very old grievance and the geniuses at the federal government have either been unwilling or incapable of setting up any sort of mechanism to ensure that the program is working. Okay, so let's address the elephant in the room. Why does Quebec receive so much? Well, the reason is twofold. One is population size. It's very disingenuous for politicians to compare the sums received by Atlantic provinces and the sum received by Quebec because the latter is mostly lobsters and Quebec has a population of 8.5 million people. If you actually look at who receives the most in federal tax dollars on a per capita basis in Canada, it's the lobsters. But the second reason is more complex. It's that much of hydroelectric profits aren't included in the fiscal capacity calculation. This is because hydropower is never sold at market price. Provinces like Manitoba and Quebec have nationalized their hydro and thereby are able to artificially suppress the price in order to give their populace cheaper energy. In this way, equalization kind of perversely rewards hydro-heavy provinces for selling their energy below market price because it considers Quebec and Manitoba to be kind of natural resource challenged. So people have looked into this and uh, they found that between 2005 and 2010, the Quebec government could have accrued $28 billion worth of profits had hydro been fairly priced but instead was able to score $48 billion during that same time period from equalization. So besides enjoying the cheapest energy in Canada, the added bonus of having you know, the lost profits offset by equalization is just a very happy coincidence for Quebec. 
There is lots we can do to ensure equalization is more fair. The federal government can start by attaching conditions to the money. Uh, they can actually start by reading this funny little text called the Constitution, which lays out conditions and criteria for equalization. It's so convenient. Article 36 plainly says that uh, the program is intended to promote equal opportunities for the well-being of all Canadians. You know, I'm just thinking out loud here, but Ottawa can easily make the case that if Quebec is so insistent on being a nation of its own, instating laws that make life very difficult and uncomfortable for Anglophones and religious minorities, hmm, maybe this violates the conditions laid out by Article 36. Equalization is meant to facilitate the free movement of people in Canada. So as long as Quebec continues to create laws that deter us from this goal, maybe this should disqualify them from some federal dollars. I don't know. Also, I know this is going to be a bit unpopular, but Alberta's political class needs to stop misconstruing this issue. As long as conservatives can use this hatred of Quebec as some sort of magical elixir to winning seats, I don't really see the true incentive to get this fixed. And don't forget, Albertans enjoy the highest wages, the lowest provincial income taxes, the no sales tax, no crippling language laws, no laws that target religious minorities, and they still get the same, if not better services than we get in Quebec. And truly, it is Quebec's prerogative to nationalize their hydroelectric system, the same way it would be Alberta's prerogative to, you know, nationalize oil and gas. I mean, they would have to buy it from the Chinese, but they can still do it. Our policy should be able to both support and develop our strongest economies while ensuring that Canadians have equitable services at their disposal. It's on the federal government to make this more fair. It's not on Quebec to all of a sudden change their entire energy system because the federal government can't figure out how to make the system more fair. Thank you so much for sticking with me till the end. I hope this video was as informative to watch as it was to write. Uh, please like, share, and subscribe. And I am really looking forward to getting back into it with you guys next Wednesday. Take care of yourselves.